think you whipped? But do you even? The informative training program for the serious weightlifter. Howdy, gang. Everyday Weightlifter Podcast. Uh, Phil Sabatini. You know, Phil, we, me, me and Walt called you Sabatini behind your back. Well, um, it's getting that way. All my clothes are too baggy <laughs> on me anymore. I, I need to... I need to pick it back up, man. I don't know what's happening to me. Is, is the girthy one losing some inches? Yeah, I don't know what's happening to me, man. I'm just a shell of a man. I'm a shell of my former self. Well, it might be, um, you know, I would say I'm down too. I've been, well, we have a, we have an interesting little bug running through our house. It's not really making mm-hmm. us sick as much as uncomfortable. And my kids, yeah. my kids are just randomly throwing up. Like they're happy. They're like they're like last night my son Mason he 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 asks for a second helping of dinner before bed. He's like, "You know, I'm hungry. Can I get some more dinner?" And we're like, "Hell yeah. Let's bulk up, mm-hmm. buddy. Let's do That's it." That's right. And then he eats it, and then all of a sudden he goes to the fridge to get another glass of milk and he just starts I'm, he I don't know what he ate, but he just started Ooh. yakking up. It was splat 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 splat. And then he, but you know, kudos to him. He just went and took a bath and um, came down, and we went to bed, and he's fine. So, oh man, Sam, I don't know. Um, us guys have um, we have our own problems here at the Everyday <laughs> yeah. Weightlifter Studio. But uh, Sam, uh, happy to have you back on. Um, we tried to do recording recently with you, and um, yeah, something happened in the download that just screwed it up. But uh, <laughs> th- thanks so much for popping back yeah. on with us. Thank you guys for having me again. Yeah, again. Yeah. Um, so Phil, <laughs> for, do, Phil will do a quick introduction. Yeah, but... for those who don't uh, weren't able to get anything from the last uh, release of this one, um, this is uh, this person right here, Sam Calhoun. Uh, is uh, she's really special, and she's uh, she worked with me at Old Dominion University as my graduate assistant as she was finishing her master's. She lives in this area here in Virginia Beach, um, and uh, is a is an unbelievable power lifter. She has world records. She recently won the national championships. Uh, she competed at, for Team USA on the world at the world championships and just crushes it. Uh, she deadlifts near 500 pounds um, and uh, is just a stud athlete. Um, she ran track at, at University of Nevada um, as a sprinter and she will whoop your ass so there's not much that sam can't and has not done but sam we're, we're pumped to have you on thank you thank you sam what do you what do you hold the world record in the deadlift what, what and what's that at uh 497 pounds yeah. so 225 kilos nice. what's your body weight sam uh it is 63 kilos What's that in pounds for all the? Uh, one thirty-eight. That's incredible. One hundred thirty-eight pounds, female, five hundred pound deadlift. Yeah. Come so on now. Has anyone ever asked you? I mean, like, I mean, pound for pound, and you know, not even mixing gender into it, but pound for pound. I mean, you're up there with strongest person in the world with that deadlift. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Got that's a triple. I mean, that's over. That's over yeah. triple body weight deadlift, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah yep yep and then, my, my official weigh-in was 136 okay um, oh. day of the meet so yeah Yo, uh, that's incredible well we are um we're fortunate to have you hopefully there's enough uh plates in the podcast to to support, support the lifting. <laughs> but uh so so 
I think it's amazing. Uh, Phil said you'd also kick our ass. Is there some martial arts in the background, or are you just one <laughs> tough girl? No, yeah. just one tough girl. Okay. That's all. Yeah. She never took any shit from anybody. Yet, you know, <laughs> all students try to get up on her, and that and that ended quick, man. She's intimidating. Well, just I, before you start picking fights with me, Sam, I want you to know I'm four classes into jujitsu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Four classes in, nice. Yeah. And, uh, white belt. Uh, I am. I don't even. I'm borrowing a gi and a belt, so I'm not even that. Okay, but uh, I'm four classes in. I've done a couple chokes. I've been choked. Uh, did one live roll. I had a battle to the death with some brute for two minutes, and it was exhausting. But you know, I just want you to know. Don't be mixing it up over here. Uh, uh, but uh, but no, we're, we're super pumped to have you on the show. Just to talk. Just to talk. You know, I thought it'd be cool to get into just some. You know, how the heck do you develop some brute, brute strength? Um, and manage a puppy in a podcast at the same time. Um, so did you hear him? I did, I did hear him. Who, so who's the pup? His name is Perseus. Perseus? Uh, he's five, yeah, so he's a rescue from Puerto Rico. Nice. He is five mm. months old. He's a handful. Nice. Oh, cool. Well, so, all right. Well, well anything he wants to say or do, uh, don't be worried about your puppy. Every From time to time, my kids <laughs> pop into the podcast, so... Uh, no worries there, but uh, no. Seriously, thanks for having on. I know you're you're busy, gal. I've recently seen you. You've done. Um, if folks want to get some other content featuring Sam, you've done the the Jug Life podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently did another with what was the other one you just released? Uh, it's called Female. Let me. I don't even know the official name. To be yeah, like Female Powerlifting or something. Yep, Female Powerlifting yeah. podcast. It's a brand new po- podcast that just came out. Um, it has some great content on it for anyone who wants to check it out. Well, let, let's let's just start with that topic of, um, you know, as I go through the show notes, like I didn't even think about it. I just wrote powerlifter extraordinaire Sam Calhoun. It didn't even like, it didn't even cross my mind to say female powerlifter. And and the thought there is like, you know, through CrossFit and some other things, like there's just it's commonplace for women to sling barbells now. Um, oh yeah. No, oh, yeah. and I think it's pretty rad. Um, even for you, um, coming from when you were. Uh, track athlete at University of, of Nevada to now have have you noticed that kind of bump in hey let's get women lifting weights or I mean is it has that always been something you've done just you know okay. your, your general thoughts on women just you know now it seems okay and cool and almost expected to go after some strength right I, I feel like when I first got into it got, transition, transitioning from college to um, personal training most women was just doing general fitness like they were in the gym uh, maybe on the treadmills, maybe on the machines, but never actually uh, doing free weight movements and definitely not lifting, quote unquote, heavy. Uh, now, nowadays, I mean, you have a, a crap ton of master lifters who are getting after it, mm-hmm. you know, and new not, not just master. Yeah, yeah, but like 90 years old. Right, right. Like how many awesome like. 85 year old oh, yeah. women do we see pulling deadlifts like, like it's unreal legit deadlifts like yeah. you know like like over 200 pounds over 300 pounds like pulling it's awesome you know it's so crazy well, i've even seen i did uh i coached a meet last march and it was two older ladies 70 plus they was by themselves like at the meet uh lifting like no coach no nothing it was just them two and i thought that was so great yeah well, and it is great, and it is a sign of times are changing. I mean, um, or are or have changed. I mean, I um, in, in my P in my health class, I was um, you know, I'm doing this like little body image unit, and I actually I'm taking the kids through a documentary about Cheryl Hayworth, who 
you know, Cheryl Hayworth is a, a big name in women's weightlifting and, you know, she, she medaled in the 2000 Olympics and, uh, you know, her mother in the film was just like, yeah, I wanted my daughter to weightlift because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, it was thought that I'm going to make babies and work at the bank. That's all I can do. And it, just, right. it, and you know, now the opportunities to do it, everyone, including being strong are, are there. I, I still think that one, one place that there's a bit of a stigma to that is even young people, not even just young girls. I still think to some degree folks are like, eh, hey, you don't want to start kids too early in, in that regard. Um, but, but I love the fact that, that women are get getting out there and, um, you know, getting strong as hell. And, 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 and you're in a testament that the, like, it, there's no limit to it if you do it right. Right. Just time, <laughs> time, consistency totally. and effort. Well, let's um, let's let's sit on some of that effort and, and talk about it a little bit. I mean, when we had talked last time, um, I mean, you generally, I was I was I was taken aback and uh, kind of surprised that your programming is is really is really um, it's based off feel and and this idea of rate of uh, perceived exertion, where you're kind of just working towards numbers and, and um, uh, get, get get me on your your start into powerlifting and and how you've always kind of programmed things to be smart, not just efforty. Well, <clears throat> with my very first coach, I got it after I hired a coach after my second meet, uh, because I knew my potential and I knew where I wanted to go. When the programming under that coach's guidance, it was percentage based. Um, I did a lot of high effort work and the auto regulation under his guidance was through, um, it was it was through bar speed. I had a, like a little device that measured the bar speed, okay. and that was the way to auto regulate the program. Uh, so instead of doing RPE, rate of perceived exertion, you know, a number system, it was an actual quantitative device that said if you your bar speed dropped below this point, you need to drop the weight. If if your bar speed was above this point, continue as program. Uh, the problem with that is it wasn't. It wasn't consistent in the fact that even when the bar speed dropped, I could still do the work. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I thought since I could still do the work, I should be okay. You know, so I wasn't argu-regulating argu my training. I was like, okay, this is what was programmed for me. I'm going to do it because I can. However, over time, that it became too much. And I wasn't smart enough then to say, okay, this is too much, you know, at the time, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. It's too much, but it's getting done. And as long as I do it, I'm going to reap the benefits later on. So you were you were getting the reps but not executing them properly. I was getting the reps. I was executing them properly. However, it was at, at RPE 10 exertion. <laughs> so, like, every set was max effort. Gotcha. You know, it became a point in the program that every set became max effort because the program was linear, literally increasing. And obviously, we know that strength doesn't do that. I mean, you're going to come to a point, it's just going to, like, stop, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to have slow progress, not five pounds each week of progress. Mm -hmm. So it became that point that strength-wise, I wasn't getting much stronger. However, numerically, my program was saying that I am. So ultimately, so was, you were working hard, too hard, and you weren't hard. letting the body you, – you, right. you just weren't letting the body recover. I mean, I wasn't letting the body recover. I wasn't communicating that to my coach. I was just getting the work done because that's what I thought I needed to do. And I thought if I just get the work done, 
doesn't, doesn't matter how hard it sucked, it was going to reap benefits later, which it did not. <laughs> uh, but I had to learn that the hard way. What uh, what was the hard way, Sam? Like, give us some insight into, you know, maybe a week, couple weeks or like, you know, as you were preparing for competition that you, you maybe you could look back and felt like you made some mistakes in the training. So the hard way was, I mean, at the time, so your body tells you everything you need to know. It's mm-hmm. just that we don't listen to it at all. <laughs> um, but like I started getting like chronic inflammation, like elbows hurt shoulders hurt like radiating pain throughout my upper body just like hurting like and i was like oh you know whatever and at the time you know i just pop some ibuprofen everything's good to go i could get through the workout you know a couple hours later i feel fine but then it became a time that i was still feeling that same pain while i was resting so like while i was in bed you know on my off days i'm like there's no Mm -hmm. way i should be feeling this pain like i'm not even like working out right now so that's when i started to know like okay this is a problem but at this time, we, we may have been a month or so away away from the meet. You know, I'm like, okay, after the meet, I'll have time to rest and recover. Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of let's just find ways to get through it. Well, it's it's a common problem with athletes to to go through that. I mean, in most, you look at at most aspects of your life, you want the path of least resistance. Like, who's gonna? I'm gonna do extra work today on the job for not extra money. I'm not gonna do that. Like, nobody's gonna do. I'm not going to change extra diapers because I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that. But like with training, it seems like folks want to always take the uphill battle. Like more is always better. Like no matter what, at what expense. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just like, I I think that story is so important for people listening to this podcast to be like, no, more Mm -hmm. isn't better. As long as you're making progress, that's what's important. And, And honestly, if you can be making progress without killing yourself that's the best kind of progress right but young lifters don't know that you know they all they know is what they see you know what they think they see from others Mm -hmm. you know what they need to see is lebron james taking that nap i mean right you know (laughs) but people like to portray that you know they're going so hard you know my workout was so hard and i got like people portray that and you know people who are watching don't really see the ins and out of what's going Mm -hmm. on you know they don't see the rest days or the recovery work, you know, they don't see the, the nutrition. Well, they just they see the grind. That's what I think is important about your story more than anything. And Phil, uh, you can speak on it too. But like when you mm-hmm. told me about Sam, I started cruising her feet. And Sam, what I like most is that you do your best work in competition settings. Like I, I we talked in the last time about a post where, you know, here are my last training lifts before a meet, and you'll notice they're they're lower than what I was doing in the meet. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're making your slow, steady gains in training, but you're not, it doesn't seem to me like you compete in training. Do you think that that's an important distinction to make for athletes? It is. And I think that's something that comes with time and maturity. Like I I didn't always have that mindset at all. You know, at one point I, I used to think I had to max out in the gym to figure out what I needed for the platform. I've now I've competed so many times that I know, okay, if I get this in the gym, I'm going to have so much more in the platform. So I already have that built in confidence, you know, to carry me through training that I don't need to prove anything to myself while I'm training. Yeah, I think that's important too. Like if you also for Sam real quick, why don't you give everybody your Instagram handle? Uh, Sam.s.calhoun, that's C-A-L-H-O-U-N. 
you guys got to check her out and she's awesome and super motivating, but she, she, you, we can all learn a ton from Sam because she, her training is all like, I mean, you watch, it doesn't look like she struggles really through anything. You can tell it's submaximal, you know, a, a large percentage of the time. And she gets to that competition platform and it is just get, PR after PR after PR. So, I mean, it says something about, you know, what we talk about a lot on the show is to live, live the train another day, right? you know, and uh, I think there's also something to be said neurologically for, you know, not grinding through reps, you know, getting through the reps in a smooth you know, manner and things like that, that will lend itself to just, I mean, obviously decrease an injury and things like that, right. but, but, uh, I mean, the, that, that competition feel, I mean, that's what it feels like when you're fresh and you're on the platform, you know? Right. No, and I, I I love that distinction, Phil, where it's like, yeah, she's powerlifting, but it's still smooth and steady. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, Sam, like when you lift, the, the structural integrity that you maintain, even on your PR lifts, is, is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't look like you're working hard. I mean, it, it, it kind of – are you familiar with a powerlifter named Chris Duffin? Yeah, of yeah, course. He, so he, so- yeah. I was just going to say – even he, like, I mean, he he's more of a geared lifter, so you know him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he discusses this where, you know, he spends a lot of time with certain core work. And, you know, he doesn't allow certain things to break down structurally into his lifts. Do you also, do you make that a point, not only just to monitor your exertion, but to say, hey, you know, I got a little I got a little bit of a shake here in the leg. Uh, the back wants to do that. Are you paying attention to the, to the smaller stuff? Yeah, because that kind of goes along with your... RPE as well, your rate of perceived exertion. You can't call something an RPE saying I have two reps in the tank if you had technical breakdown. Mm. You know, at that point, it's a 10. Like, yeah, you yeah. could have did two more, but your form broke. So mm. at that point in time, for that day, for practice, that's max effort, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, I keep that in mind when rating my perceived exertion. There's no point my form should break. If it does break, you know, I'm mindful of that and I back off the weight. Yeah, so let's let's stay on that just a minute, and I'm gonna give everybody just a little um, just ex- acceleration into what we're talking about here. But uh, so Sam's previous training all percentage based, but now her training is more so around RPE rate of perceived exertion. So Sam mentioned that you know maybe her RPE level was given to her by her coach at a level eight. So what that means is that uh, whatever she does. Uh, you know, the top number being a 10, she should have two more reps in the tank. So there's a couple ways that uh, that that's governed, right? So obviously it's that two more reps are in the tank. But Sam, like you mentioned, it could be something mechanical. It could be technique based, right? Right. Sweet. No. So Sam, what are some of like, so what are, I mean, look, we're, me and Phil talk a lot of weightlifting here. And, and I think arguably we could, you know, there's technical aspects of both sports. Um, so, but I would imagine a lot of weightlifters like, ah, I got a deadlift on the thing today. I'm just going to pick it up. But there are technical aspects of, of, of powerlifting that I think the novice, uh, who's not competing at your level might be missing. Can, can you, uh, let's, let's take a, a squat. I mean, what are some of the technical cues that, that, that you look for, um, when, when you're lifting that you, that would kind of indicate, okay, my RPE is, is a little higher than I think. Uh, so first for my, so let's take myself for example. Um, so we just talked about how 
for 99% of my lifts, I'm very technically sound, you know? So if you would see some type of breakdown, you will know like, oh, wow, she must be reaching some type of, some type of failure. But take a, another lifter, a more novice lifter who doesn't have their technique totally like in tune yet. And they do just, they have some little quirks already. So, uh, you know, a technique breakdown may not show the full picture or say they do have a little uh, knee cave naturally you know, that they, they haven't uh, learned to control yet. That may not even show the full picture. But if you looked at me, my, oh, Sam hurt your knees caved in severely. For me, that would say, oh, wow, something is going on there. Let's back up the weight. For someone else, that may not say that. You know what I mean? So you, it all depends who you're, the context of who you're talking about and so, what you're looking at and their model of their lift. So like most things, it's, it's a case by case basis. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so talk to us a little bit more even about, uh, RPE and, and how it's programmed. Um, we've tossed the word around eight. Um, is a, is a whole workout just written out and then you're like, okay, do this at an eight. I mean, what, what is, what is that? Is, are you trying to get a certain so amount of I'm, sets? I mean, what's it look like? I mean, a program is a program. Uh, so you can even think of RPE as a replacement of the percentage. So you guys may have a percentage, uh, like two cleans at 89%. And instead of saying 89%, you may say uh, RPE 9. You know, so each RPE um, has a percentage correspondence that some, some mathematician somewhere has written out. And there's a nice pretty chart online that kind of give you a percentage so you kind of have a framework to start from but the next workout or depending on the exercise you can adjust that framework and how, so mate you go ahead Jeff. No, i was gonna say with that framework how long have you been working on it oh it's been two years now since i've been uh, with my current coach so it's been a while and it's a work in progress and different Different lifts have different RPEs associated with it. So say my, take my sumo della, for example. The push off the floor is so hard. Like the push off the floor itself feels like an RPE 10 <laughs> exertion. But once it gets moving off the floor, it, you know, it's pretty much easy selling from there. You know, so you have to figure out as the lifter, how you're going to rate this? Like mm. what's going to be your standard? Because if you came, obviously if you can't break the floor, it, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, so how are you going to rate? It? Are you going to rate it from the floor or are you going to rate it from lockout? But however you rate it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're consistent from week to week in your mm -hmm. rating. So if you're going to call something the eight this week, make sure that eight has the same standard next mm -hmm. week. You know what I mean? You can't say, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it, it has to be you, you have to live the, eliminate variables and be consistent in your ratings and be honest in your ratings. Yeah, I think that's that that is one thing i think that the rpe like it's not for everybody no you know? it's not. It, it it you, you got to be you got to be strict and you got to be educated you have to uh be experienced and it, uh, be willing to put the time in to create those standards you know because you know if you just give somebody some novice lifter powerlifter or weightlifter intermediate level powerlifter or weightlifter and you tell them hey i mean <laughs> they're gonna match out you so know? for example I, I got a new lifter and she just competed at nationals two weeks ago so all her current warm rep maxes right now are pretty invalid because she's she's the trainer right now she hasn't really lifted in two weeks 
Um, so naturally, I was like, okay, I'll give you RPE. And you kind of find out baseline numbers so we could start working from. Mm -hmm. And so I gave her a set of six at an RPE eight. So that means two reps in the tank, not full effort, but, you know, it's a good working set. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, was, I looked at her video, and after the fourth rep, she kind of had to take a step away from the bar, meaning it started to get heavy on her. Uh, then she did her fifth rep, and then sixth rep was a grinder. Uh -huh. You know, it was like, you can't, that's not an eight. No. And, and so it goes back to a learning curve. Like, it was her first time doing it. You don't really know. Um, but how will you adjust for that is next week, you know, okay, that was a 10. That was too much. Let's back off from that. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's how you adjust for the next week if she had the same thing written in her program. Um <laughs> But she was so going to call you, that. A, so and, how would you adjust that, like, in terms of, like, finding her max? I mean, she probably, in terms of just a one rep max, could have squeezed out maybe one more rep. You know what I mean? So, like, how, do you differentiate between, like, what is a training max and what potentially could be their one rep max? And you do things more so at uh, a training max? I do everything at a training max. Okay. So so for, for her overshooting that first set, it, it does tell me a lot. So now I could plug that six in and say she did six reps at such and such weight. What is her current max? And from that current max, because it is irrelevant to what she did at the meet, because right now, like I said, that's very irrelevant. It gives us no information. It, it shows, it gives her, us her potential. Yeah. But the, her current state, it really doesn't tell us much. Mm -hmm. However, now that she just prematurely maxed out on the six reps, I have more data. So I could take that number and like, okay. This right now is our 100% lex program off of that. And that will change weekly, you know, but, yeah. you know, you'll accumulate more data as the weeks go on. So you do you give specific uh, specific uh, maxes to your lifters just weekly or uh, do, do you let like the RPE number itself take care of that? Depends on the lifter. So for her, you know, like I said, that was our first week together. Uh, she didn't do a very good job of finding that eight. However, now I know what she's capable of. Next week, I'll give her a specific number. Yeah. I'll give her a number, and I will tell her to rate that. And yeah. that will try to give her experience with rating. Mm -hmm. And so she'll get practice every week. She'll get practice rating, get practice rating. And then that will kind of build up her library of, like, what that feels like, how hard this is really is. You know, and then once – so say – two months go by and I give her RP again and to her to find the weight, she'll be better equipped at doing so because of all the practice she had early on. Well, I think what you speak to there is like, no matter how you're going to program your athletes, like it takes practice for them to know what your thought process is. And it takes right. them practice to know like what people, yeah, it's cool that everyone wants to compete now, but people who are competing need to spend some time learning how to train, right. not just <laughs> learning how to compete. Right. Yeah. I even told her, I was like, all right, this week, you know, I, don't, I don't expect it to be over difficult. Like, stay on the conservative side. Like, everything, just stay on the conservative side. I just need baseline numbers to work from. You know, I just want to know where you are right now so we could progress that and build up momentum. And I think she was so scared to, like, undershoot because, you know, you, you want to impress the person on the opposite end. You want to show them that you're willing to work hard. And I, I think even that, you know, could be a disadvantage for certain people that, you know, they're still concerned with the other person thinks of them. And they don't know how the other person thinks, mm. you know. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to impress Phil to show Phil that I'm a hard worker, that I'm a grinder. But Phil's style and uh, mentality is like conservative and let's, you know, ease into it. I may think I'm impressing him, but I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And it could go the opposite way around, you know. If I'm a conservative lifter and I have a hardcore coach, you know, I may think I'm impressing that coach, but I'm really not. You know, so it's just a learning experience for the lifter and the coach and vice versa to know who you work with. So let uh, I want to ask you, you've been with your current coach for two years, and mm-hmm. before that you made the switch. How did was, – was there a moment where it was like, okay, training's not working, I need to make a switch, and then how how do you – how do you recognize how did you recognize a better fit in in your coach selection um, just so you could kind of circumvent some of that learning curve you spoke of for the, or, and how can other athletes who are listening kind of make that decision well it wasn't that training wasn't working cuz i still i was getting stronger and i was doing things that i didn't think i was capable of doing like my work capacity increased tenfold however the training method wasn't suitable for me because if you give me something on paper, I'm going to want to complete that, you know? So the percentage mm-hmm. base, I couldn't handle that. I wasn't at the time and that could be different now, but at the time I wasn't mature enough to auto regulate myself to take a step back. So, so I knew Austin Baraki, my current coach, I knew his philosophy was RPE, you know, and I, I heard a lot of things about RPE so I was I was interested in trying the method, you know. So I knew I would be in, I would be in more control of what I did on a day to day basis, based off of that, based off how I feel, how I perform. But even th- even then, it was a learning curve, because at times my eights were tens. So the same client I just told you about, I was also that client. You know, I also made those mistakes. You know, so it's definitely a huge learning curve and ego check. And, you know, you just have to mature as a lifter and understand your abilities and limitations. So what is the, I mean, it just seems like so much work on the front end, you know, which it's for good reason. But what are some of the benefits that you think that RPE can bring to you, an intermediate or a higher level lifter that you can't get out of a percentage-based program? It, so... <clears throat> It's all about how you're going to expend your energy and what can and you cannot recover from. Um, so it, it kind of allows you to control that effort, control the intensity of your workout. Um, and if you're true to it, if you're true to it, it has great benefits. So if I'm, so I'm a big deadlifter, right? As you guys know. However, deadlift. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> big. Yeah, you are huge. That's great. <laughs> However, deadlift intensity eats me alive. Like I will have, I will have a mediocre week. I'll have a good week. I'll have a great week, and I'll hit a massive single. And then the next week, my strength levels would drop like thirty percent. Maybe not. I don't know percentage why, but it would drop at least like thirty pounds. Like it would drop. But say if I had a program that was just basing everything on percentages and then account for this drop, mm. you know, I will be SOL. overtraining for mm. lack of better words right. the, the next week. However, an eight is going to be an eight. So even though the weight on the bar has decreased, my effort level is still the same. 
that's that a, makes, that's yeah, in terms example. of like work capacity. It's, yes, in right? terms of work, the effort is still there. I'm still putting forth the same effort. It's mm -hmm. just the absolute weight on the bar has is less. Is right. less. So you're like I, you're tapping into the same neurological, right. you know, stimulus. It's right. just so so we're basically we're essentially removing the number. You know, it's right. like how people talk about remove the number on the scale. Think more about like body fat percentage to show, you know, your your lean body mass or your health or whatever. It's similar. It's right. that's saying that like you can only it, like the weight on the bar doesn't matter. What does matter is the neurological stimulus that you can apply. And if you can't reach that number, there's no sense in reaching for right. it. You know, and so I think the benefits to, to echo what you said there, Sam, I think the benefits for people like us, for everyday lifters, um, both powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever, we got kids and we have lives and, you know, you're on your feet a ton, personal training and coaching right. Sam and training and everything. And you got a puppy now and all that stuff, <laughs> you know, and we're just like, we're on the grind, you know, and, uh, I'm man, some days are better than others and some yeah. weeks are better than others. And so this gives us a chance to do that, you know, but some, some days you're fired up and you're ready yeah. and I mean, it's an awesome day. And mm -hmm. then some days it's just not there. I mean, yeah. but your effort that you're putting into it is there. Like, right. It's not like you're going into so, a half. Some ass. days an eight is just an eight, you know. <laughs> well, let let me ask you a question. So we're you know we're having this you know we're all talking about uh, RPE in terms of like the heavy lifts and the eights and the nines and the tens. But let's say you have that fireball day where you come in motivated, but your training has you at a five or a six. I mean, how do you handle that athlete with with, with that situation, Sam? You still gotta stick to your program. Because if, if not, you may just prematurely peak too early when your program wasn't ready for you to do so. And I think that's what people go wrong with the system is that like, like oh, great, I'm, I feel good today. Let me prematurely max out. Sure. You know, even though my program isn't, even though it's supposed to be a recovery week. Yeah. You know, yep. and it's designed for you to feel a little bit better this week, you know. So and just taking that time to just continue the recovery process, you prematurely max out and then that kind of takes you five weeks back no doubt so like if you're if you are programmed in rpe five or six that means that if it's a five you'll have five reps left in the tank uh, or four reps if it's a six so like realistically like how low does that number actually go because i can't assume that if if you're given like an rpe three that that's even going to be like a reliable number no like how would you, you know the, the lowest it would go is a six okay and now and you could just think of that as a warm-up Okay. You know, and seven will be your last warm up, and then eight will be the first of your working set. Okay. You know. So, will you operate much at those lower percentages, or are they always just accounted for warm ups? Because you know, I guess, I guess the question there is, when you look at like a, um, what is it, like a West Side barbell approach, where they'll work at lower percentages for speed work. I mean, do you ever, mm -hmm. do you ever do that, Sam, or is it always kind of these rate of perceived exertion sets? I would do. So if that's program for me, it will be at a percentage. Gotcha. So like a part of my program, I do have banded deadlifts. Uh, and that's one of those movements. It will be hard to put an RPE on it because, I mean, it's, the, the effort is. It's different. I mean, I, yeah, it's different. It, right. Yeah. It's different. Cool. So I'll have a set percentage of my one rep max program for that lift. 
And will that gotcha. could, could that come on the same day as an eight or a nine, or is that going to be a completely separate situation most times? No. So you can kind of think of that as like a accessory movement. Gotcha. Cool. You know, it'll, it'll it'll still be so on a day like that. I may have pulse squats, that's RPE base, and then I may have a bench that's RPE base, and then the third movement of the day will be say eight by two at fifty five percent on banded deadlifts. I think it would be really cool, and not to put you on the spot, but I think for our listeners, and even for me, I'd like to see, I'd like to see what a week looks like for, I'd like to see what a week looks like for you on paper versus what a week looks like for your novice athlete. What that, what that mm-hmm. looks like on paper, I think that that would be a, I think that would be an interesting thing for someone to see about how, or and maybe I'm wrong. Is is there a difference between those what those two programs would look like on paper? Well, it, it is because one, um, I squat three times a week, and a top set could be at a nine for me. I could have singles on all of those exercises at an eight or a nine for that week, just depending on where I'm at in my training cycle. So I do get pretty high in the intensity, mm-hmm. but I am equipped to handle that. Uh, many of my novice intermediate lifters, they're not equipped mentally or physically to handle that um, work that workload. So I would squat three times a week, I would bench uh, four times a week, and I would deadlift between two and three times a week. And that frequency is not meant for everyone. Well, how long did it take you to learn that you could handle that frequency? Was that over the two-year period? Well, like, where did it, how did it, I guess, how much volume have you added over that two-year period to get to this point? Because I think that's also a common mistake. Oh, I'm going to see Sam's workout. I'm going to do nine workouts a week, too. You know, I, I can <laughs> be a world champion. And if they do that too soon, they're obviously, I think if if they're listening to the show so far, and what you just said might make them not listen to anything we said. They, <laughs> they literally, they're gonna they're gonna forget everything, and they're gonna be like, oh man, well she squats three times a week, does that, does this, I need to do those. So, how long did it take you to build up to that volume? I mean, it, like it, it was uh, over time. So, like just in the past year, we added in a, a third deadlift a day. And like I said, that's like banded deadlifts. It's nothing crazy. It's at a low percentage. You know, it's all about getting some more technique work in. Uh, in the past year, we added in singles for my supplemental lifts. So I'll have a pulse squat at a single for, for a single. Uh, and that's only happened in the past year or so. And even when I first seen that on paper, I was like, oh, crap, he's trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you do it. You adapt. Uh, and like I said, it's RPE. So, like, even if I'm tired, even if I beat up, like the weight on the bar is irrelevant. It's all about the effort I'm putting into that lift. Mm. You know, so even if, so say right now, um, I'm transitioning from my competition into a new training block. So I mean, like, kind of, I'm, I'm in limbo right now. I'm on program, but it's very limbo. Um, one of my exercises is temple squats, and it is, and it's five seconds down, three seconds pause, normal tempo going up. All right, so that's one rep. Love that tempo. Mm-hmm. Right, but I have eight reps of those. Oh, my God. That's right. Not, that's not true. Why would you do I that? Have, exactly. <laughs> I have eight reps of those at RPE 8. Oh. And I'm like, as soon as I look at that, I wanted to text him, like, like, what are you trying to do? Oh, my God. But then I had to remind myself, it's, like, it's all about the effort I'm putting into it. I'm tra- like, you're training. Even if I go, yeah, even if I go and do 135 pounds, for eight reps at that tempo. I mean, that's that is it, that's that's what my program calls for. Yeah. Because that that's my RP eight for the day. 
you well, know? So so we're not supposed to worry about the numbers. We're supposed to worry right. about the eight. But what what did you do that squat set at? Oh, it was something, baby. It probably was one thirty-five, one forty-five. Well, no, but I think that's that's but that's important for no. people to see because that yeah. that's that's training. I mean, there's a reason yeah. your coach has that in. There's a reason he wants you to go through that, and that might be to build you. Maybe that's to just build mental toughness to get through a whole lifting set. Who knows what they're doing? But a lot I think... of our lifts is to limit the weight on the bar. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I am strong, and. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I am. And if we don't limit the weight on the bar, I will be working out at 90% effort all training cycle. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, 90% load all training cycle. So we'll do a lot of beltless work. And the the main reason for that is to limit how much I can lift. You know, but uh, still allow me to feel that effort. You know, because a one rep max is a lot of effort. You know, is a lot of Mm -hmm. bracing. You know, is a, a... a huge mental component. So is is training those skills at a light of a lighter load. But if you're going to have a lighter load, you still need to make the lift difficult somehow. And with you, it's an insane tempo and lots of reps. I got it. <laughs> and it's, only, it's actually only a program for two weeks, and then it transitions to pause squats. So, like I said, this is just a transitioning phase to kind of ease me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound easing, but to ease me back into training. No, it sounds yeah. like it sounds like you're working with a, a smart guy, and you guys have yeah, a, yeah. A, an unbelievable thing going. It'd be cool. What's your coach's name? Austin Baraki. Yeah, it'd be cool to get. It'd be cool to discuss with him because I think you know, you know, even with me, I'm probably guilty of like over technicizing these lifts. That's not even a word, but over like uh, over emphasizing the technical aspect of Olympic weightlifting, and and even when I do get into, hey, let's focus on getting strong. You know, generally it's a it's a linear progression and you know it's i don't know how seriously or how much thought i would say personally that putting in real strength is and it's cool to hear from your perspective from a world championship lifter that you know sometimes however you can figure it out you know limiting your effort and gauging it properly is as important as as what's on the barbell Right. Because, I mean, my, the best meets, and it's strange because you always have people, like, feeling like shit the week out from a meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they kind of, like, they hype that feeling up because they, they think, and it may be true for many people, they think that if they feel super terrible, super bad the week out from a meet, that means they're going to have this super comp- compensation the day of the meet. But I found with myself that if I'm feeling good going to the meet, I'm going to perform well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't have to be overly beat up and overly, you know, damaged for lack of better words. Um, you know, if I could just build momentum throughout the training cycle, recover well, um, keep a positive attitude, stay healthy, I will pre- perform well. So there's a balance of all of that. Because you know, obviously it's not saying I'm not going to train hard. I'm not going to give for full effort. But you have to find a way to do all of those things and train smart. Yeah, and imagine that, even that, I mean, even for our folks who, like Phil mentioned, I mean, just to echo his thoughts, if done right, and after you learn the process, it seems like RPE is, is a great, is a great standpoint, if you can, if you can be disciplined enough to, mm-hmm. to follow the protocol. Uh, how long do you think the learning curve would be? I mean, because, how long, 
you you probably accelerated your learning curve, Sam, by working with a great coach and, and really putting time to build a personal relationship with that person. Uh, some folks aren't even going to be some folks aren't going to be able to do that for for folks who are kind of tinkering on the fringes and, and maybe they have like a remote coach and there's how long do you think that learning curve is to really get to really learn the program and to really learn how to rate your effort? Uh, is that's hard to say yeah. because it depends on depends on the person. It depends how often they're competing. The fact that I compete so frequently, I compete three times a year, it gives me more data points, mm. um, you know, to kind of learn my body and and my patterns. Uh, so it, it gives me more information. The fact that I have had the same coach for a long time, that gives me that consistency in that. So the program itself isn't changing a lot because I think if the program itself was randomized, you, you, you wouldn't be able to collect that information. Um, so it and depends. I'm able, yeah, it just depends. I mean, it just depends. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, the short end. It just depends on the lifter. And like I said, it's going to be, the, it depends on the lifter and their ego. So I would <laughs> almost say like the more data points, the better. So I guess maybe the better way to frame the question is as someone's tinkering with this RPE number, if they wanted to throw it into their training, what are some what are some data points? You mentioned one competition. Uh, you mentioned another uh, checking out your technical, the technical movement itself. Um, is is there one in terms of like uh, maybe happy? You know, do, do you feel good? You know, what's your mood? I mean, how would you even rate that? I mean, so what, what are some of these data points that, that you collect to, to help you kind of say, okay, that was a real eight today? So I don't know if this answers your question, but maybe it will. I found myself when I train along, I perform better because I, I'm more internal. However, when people are around me, my headphones are off, I'm talking, I'm more external. External. I'm able to voice my opinions more, meaning like, oh, this set is going to suck. And once I say stuff like that, like even if I'm just saying it just to have conversation and just to say something, it's still that negative con connotation bleeds on the lift it bleeds on the set like just you speaking that negative thought like it, it bleed it like so you're it changes your perception of the lift at hand before you even lift it and once it changes your perception that rpe will also change because of it mm. you know so it's, it's more so than effort is is how you you approach each lift each set so if, if you're not confident if you're timid if you know you haven't eaten dinner or breakfast that day. If you know your stress, if you know all this, you're gonna come in. You're gonna come into the the lift with these perceived ideas, mm. and that will affect your entire workout. Hmm. Yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah. Like the mindset. Like I, uh, we could do a another show, two or three shows, just on competition mindset, man, and and really just training mindset. But it sounds like you got it dialed in, Sam. I mean. There, there's so much that we could all just take from just what you said there, you know, and in terms of, uh, you know, getting yourself ready to play and, and getting yourself, I mean, like you said, the perception, that's, I, I, I will say that's one thing that I think is difficult about RPE is the perception. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're tired and you're like, well, this is supposed to be an eight, but like, I'll probably just hit this because right. I'm tired today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's, uh, you man. know, and it's like I said, the, the system isn't like, 
all sunshine and rainbows. There is some mm-hmm. flaws. Right. Like, definitely flaws. I mean, because you went to a gym before, you warmed up and you felt like shit. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I feel like shit. But then once you got to your working set, maybe even the, the second or third set into your working set, everything started to turn around. Like, okay, like, yeah. this is going to be a good day. Right. You know, so sometimes you have to give it a little time. And if your program is, you know, says a certain number and you think your first set is like harder than what it should be and you back off from that, I mean, you could be sell- selling yourself short without yeah. without even knowing it. Totally. So it's definitely pros and cons for sure. Yeah. I mean, how many how many times have you heard people say, I I PPR'd on the days that I felt the most right. tired and stuff. You know, it's crazy. And the days I feel really good, I can't do anything. Well, I think that the point you made there, Sam, is that no program is going to be perfect. Right. And I think, yeah. but I think yeah. if you are working with a good coach, someone that you trust and someone that you have put in time in and that person in the same put, putting the same into you, you guys might figure out over the course of, you know, at least from your experience, two years, you might get it right. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, no, I think it's really, I think, yeah, I think the takeaways here from, from you are, on this show are, are unbelievable. If, if folks are mm-hmm. super interested, cause it also sounds like you're coaching and you're doing some things. Uh, yeah. we, we've kind of blown up the, um, as much as we can on our little podcast. Uh, we have the Instagram handle, Sam dot S dot Calhoun, C A L H O U N. But don't you have a website as well? Folks can reach out yeah. to you too. It's called Sam strong, 500.com. Nice. Net. Do people still use WWW? Do you have to do that? I'm, I'm pretty I sure you, so. you. I don't know. I think I, I think it, I just automatically does it for you. Okay. Yeah. Like even if you type in Google, it'll still go, come up www.google.com and yeah. take you. Google. Cool. So we got you yeah, samstrong500.com, and what's the 500 all about? So 500. Uh, so in powerlifting, we have a will score. Okay. And basically, what 500 is is like it takes you from like intermediate to elite. So only like a certain percentage of like the powerlifting community have. 500 plus whoop score but now that people are getting so strong like 500 now is like you know like a lot of people are starting to achieve that milestone so what, what's your number at now so right now i'm at um 544 well you know sam i think <laughs> i think you might as well buy the sam strong 600 get that that's shit right. together you you yeah. don't seem like anyone that's going to not meet expectations like you said if you put it on paper you're going to do it so write that shit down girl and uh, I want to see you get there. Maybe you'll be That's the first awesome. woman to uh, you, you'll get into geared powerlifting. You'll be the first woman to total three thousand pounds. How about that? There we go. <laughs> so get, get it. Yeah. Wraps. Get it going, girl. <laughs> hey, no, and that is funny with with wraps coming up. I mean, you you're doing your your stuff rawed uh, raw. Do do you uh do do you have any geared uh, lifting in your programming? Do you see a use for that, or is that something? I mean, that, to me, that seems like a really that seems really rough on the body. Just that's my perception of it. But uh, how do you feel about the geared stuff? So I don't have any gear lifting in my program. I have no experience with gear. Yeah. So if I had an athlete come to me asking about it, I would tell them I know nothing. Yeah. Uh, go somewhere else, find a, <laughs> you know a better coach for them. Sure. Um, I mean, th- I think there is merit if you use it wisely. I, I mean, you ever heard of like a slingshot? Yeah. Marcus Bell slingshot. So you know it overloads the bench press same with wraps overload the squat you know so i mean you could use it in that sense um you know there's 
the could, sky's the limit. So you're saying it could be a different play on bands and right. chains if if you, right. if yeah. you did it smart and didn't just max right. out with them all the time. Right, and you still included some raw lifting in there as well. I could see how that would carry over. Cool. I mean, I see lifters in different federations who do use knee wraps and still have a very high raw squat. So, so when you squat in a power of the meet, even in the federation you're in, it's no wraps at all. You can't. No wraps. Nope. Huh. So do you think that even in USAW, do you think that that's a distinction they should make in weightlifting? Because I'll tell you, they, they do help. I mean, you know, wrapping the knees, doing some of those things. But I don't think that we, you know, I don't use the same wraps. For one, they're not as heavy. And two, I don't right. wrap them as tightly. Right. Uh, they. Sh- I mean, I think they should have a distinction. I mean, I think Phil should throw him some, and we could put ten kilos on his. He won't do it. Clean. I've tried. I, mean, I got. I, I got these strong, strong supply people, wraps. Hey, people ask me all the time about why I don't wear a belt or wrap or anything, and I give them this answer about, "Oh, I've never needed it. I just don't fucking know how to use it." <laughs> someone can teach me how to do this i'll do it let's get someone on there because phil this is the year coming back from the shoulder that's what i'm saying we got to get him to make that world team march and i think maybe the belt and the wraps could do it what do you think Um, i think so it has to it has to put something on something you know like i'm ready to do whatever it takes all right well good well we know that we know that um there must be something in the water at virginia beach that keeps people honest <laughs> humble and, and on the grind because uh i think you guys speak the same language sometimes so but uh no it's um sam you you are um it's a it's a great show i'm glad we could do it again and i really hope we can do it a third time but uh yeah, and get fun. it on there because uh no it's great I, I love the fact that you're so damn strong you compete so hard you do your work on the platform and then you're smart about it um in between competitions so uh i think people need to be looking at what you're doing i think it's important so cool thank you very thank much you. thank you guys yep sam what's next for you in terms of competition so i have the Arnolds in march okay. uh, so that's a pretty big one for me and then i have worlds in sweden Ooh. So that's the even bigger one for me. Who when fits is Worlds this year? In June. Okay. Who mm-hmm. fits the bill for the travel? Uh, so Lyft um, is a nutrition company and apparel company based out of here in Virginia Beach. Cool. They they take care of me very, very well. Uh, also, SBD takes care of me. Yeah, shout them sponsors out, girl. You yeah, yeah. Them. Get them. And R- RP Strength. So okay. I'm very fortunate in that aspect. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Well, I think the work is there. You've you're you're kind of realizing your potential, and um, I think uh, I think you need to be serious about Sam Strong six hundred. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, cool, girl. Um, Phil, as we close out the show, I know we just had yeah. a, a banging camp um, oh, at, at East awesome. Coast Gold, one that Sam didn't make, but. <laughs> We have to make sure we get her there, but we know we had Chris. We had uh, we had Chris Yang out there. It looked like there were over fifty lifters. I mean, I was yeah. I was cruising on Instagram. It looked like it, it looked awesome. tuned up. It was awesome. I'm still tired from it. Today's Friday. I'm still exhausted. I haven't done much in terms of training this week or anything, but it was awesome. Uh, with tons of PRs. The national squad was there. Everybody's looking good for the AO. We made a ton of new friends, and um, yeah, it was great to have Chris. And he brought uh, he brought somebody with him, Joe, and she lifted, and she was tough as nails. And um, you know, he brought a bunch of he brought some books. He's given us a discount code. So guys, check out our our Instagram, East Coast Gold, and um, 
yeah. uh, East Coast Gold WL, actually, because if you go to East Coast Gold, it's some sort of uh, marijuana thing. So, nice. yeah. Um, well, let me go but, to that uh, one. Let yeah, me write that down. A, yeah, they're giving us a discount code on the book, so check that out. It's a great book, 100 uh, Days of Good Technique. And, What's the code um, again? Uh, I don't, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but we just posted it on the Instagram. I don't okay. run the Instagram, so we'll share it. Yeah. Check, check out East Coast Gold weightlifting for that. And, um, the camp was great. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, we, we got a ton of stuff coming up here. East Coast Gold wise, we're getting ready to launch a new website store with programming and downloadable programs, a Sab Strong program, a taught and trained wow. program. Um, and actually coming up here in the next uh, few weeks, uh, Sam and I are collaborating on a hybrid powerlifting and weightlifting program. That's going to be great. Yeah. So, um, it's going to be, I'm, I'm probably going to do it to be honest with you. Cause I need to get strong. Um, this is my way to have Sam program for me. Very cool. Well, the other thing, <laughs> it might be cool to do like an everyday RPE thing, you know, like, cause yeah. I imagine like a three day a week kind of, Hey, this is for, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that, cause I, super intrigued by it i've never really worked on it but it seems like for once you dial it in which is a process that we've kind of walked through it seems like that's a great way to go for somebody training on the go so fire yeah. it up in that regard hey yeah. sam so you said you don't like working alone and not to again make another podcast here but you know phil's talking about these camps and the big benefits have you ever been in one of these weightlifting camps with other tuned up athletes like yourself i have not i have not Okay. We'll, we... I, I don't even know the, the date of the last camp. Okay. <laughs> I could have I popped, you know, popped yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, it's my you know, fault. Say uh, hello or something. We were all we were all running. Our, we were tearing our hair out. You guys are big time. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe that's just it, though. Like, well, let's do a hybrid camp. That'd be the, fun. The possibilities are endless. It, no, it is. I think that'd be pretty rad. Um, you, you know what she was waiting on? She was waiting on the summer for the one where I might be around. That's what she's waiting on. Okay. Waiting. You, you come yeah. in. Where are, you, are you in Washington? I'm in Washington State. Yeah, that's why right. I can't. Yeah. So I we used to live in West Point, New York, but now I'm in Washington. I, we're military, so we've been everywhere. So uh, got that got going you. for us. Well, no, it's cool. I was just, just wondering about the ideas of, of you know, because you know, with these East Coast Gold Camps, it's cool you know, there's a lot of educational seminars out there, but that's a cool camp to actually see what weightlifting training looks like, right. you know what I mean? And feels like, and what it's, what you can see top athletes doing, um, around you. So it's just a cool thing. And then, um, uh, so that's East coast gold. So follow their feed and then guys, you know, check out, um, you know, the Lucy meets a power for stuff. Sam, I sent you a copy of the book. Yes, it was awesome. Yep. So we're trying to get little girls to be like, Sam, maybe, Maybe, Sam, you're going to pass that book off to a girl who's going to break your world record in 18 years. That's the goal, I'm, right? Well, I'm just, first I have to draw out the, the big guy and put like a little Sam in there. <laughs> you know? Very good. You do that. But um, no, thanks for checking that out. And um, with with Sam being so cool, what we'll do is I'll put a – if you guys go to LucyMeetsAPowerAfter.com, anyone who uses the discount code SAM will save 30% on the book. We'll do that because Sam is awesome. such, such a beast. So maybe that 30% savings will give you 30% gains on your total. That's so right. <laughs> get that going, guys. Well, shoot, guys. Um, This was fun. Um, it's awesome. Not only is that you're strong, Sam, but you're doing it smart. It's more than just some genetic freakiness that just, uh, you know, uh, explodes itself into like insane effort. It's cool to know that what you do is just smart and timely and, and effective. Yeah, man. Yeah, man.
cool. Phil, <laughs> Phil, you're the man. Um, yeah, you guys keep crushing it. We'll do it, guys. Uh, keep listening, learning, and lifting, folks. Um, thanks for listening. All right, bye, guys. Cool. Sam, you're the best. 